Hello and welcome to my channel. The interest rate drama enters its next round. At the beginning of 2020, the US key interest rate was effectively 0%, but by August 2023, the Fed had raised it to a range between 5.25 and 5.5. In September 2023, after 10 steps, the European Central Bank set its main refinancing interest rate to 4.5%, in July 2020, it was still at zero. These are quite significant interest rate changes and they have very far-reaching consequences that will only become apparent over time. But they are already predictable if we know the important role of interest rates in the economy. It is easy to understand that increases in key interest rates all other things being equal, lead to increased credit costs for home builders, companies and states. This in turn reduces the demand for credit on the part of consumers and entrepreneurs, causes consumption and investments to dwindle and slows the economy. It is also clear that an increased interest rate pushes down the prices of houses, land and stocks. This is because future payments these assets generate are discounted at an increased interest rate. As a result, their present value and consequently their market price decreases. What is probably less obvious is that increased interest rates force economies' production and employment structures to rebalance. Capital-intensive, time-consuming production methods are discouraged and less time-consuming ways of production are encouraged. The resulting reallocation of input factors, such as labor and capital, usually does not occur without noise or pain. Rather, the economies experience bankruptcies and job losses, which can even result in a recession, that is, a decline in output. All of this doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. This becomes particularly clear when we take into account the effect on credit costs. In indebted economies, not all loans are typically due at the same time and in full. Rather, the economy's loan structure matures over several years. As loans mature and are not repaid, they must be replaced with new loans that now carry a higher interest rate, as interest rates had been close to zero over the past years. That said, increased credit costs are gradually eating into the budgets of private households and raising companies' financing costs. You may be asking yourself, why hasn't there been a recession in the US and the Eurozone so far, despite noticeably higher interest rates? One answer is that the interest cost effect set in motion by central banks' interest rate hikes has not yet fully materialized, but one can be certain that it is continuing to work its way through the economist cost structure. Another answer to why there hasn't been a recession yet is that the governments have been combating it in recent years by running enormous deficit spending programs. Just to remind you, in the euro area, the deficit to GDP ratio was 5.2% in 2021 and 3.6% in 2022. 
It was probably 3.2% last year and the coming years can be expected to bring similarly high deficit to GDP ratios due to an ongoing disappointing growth path. In the US, new government debt was 5.4% of GDP in 2022 and 6.3% in 2023. The US administration plans to run similarly high deficit to GDP ratios in the coming years. Against this backdrop, it is important to understand that the economic situation of consumers and companies is, therefore, ever more dependent on a continuation of government's debt-issuing sprees. As a result, the fate of the Western economies is increasingly determined by the state's wishes, orders and dictates. In fact, they are moving more and more towards a command economy, which is, in fact, a form of socialism. However, central banks' interest rate hikes are putting a heavy strain on government finances. In the US, for example, national debt has reached about 33 trillion, or approximately 123% of GDP. Interest costs amounted to 1.02 trillion in the fourth quarter of 2023, compared to 560 billion at the beginning of 2020. A politically highly undesirable situation has arisen because more and more government revenue has to be spent on interest payments. What will happen is rather foreseeable. The US central bank will be forced to cut interest rates again. The markets are already speculating on interest rate cuts in the coming months. The interest rate drama is entering its next round. Most important, the recent decline in inflation apparently allows the central bank councillors to cut rates again. In the US and the euro area, and actually throughout the OECD, the money supply is shrinking, causing a decline in officially measured inflation rates. The contraction of the money supply puts downward pressure on inflation, meaning that increases in the prices of goods and services abate. And if the contraction in the money supply remains permanent, it can even result in a drop in goods prices, in other words, price deflation. You're wondering why the money supply is shrinking? Well, part of the explanation is the decline in bank lending, which counteracts money supply growth. Increased interest rates dampen private demand for loans and so banks issue less money balances. Interest-induced portfolio shifts also play a role. The increased interest rate causes investors to move from short-term bank deposits to long-term bank bonds, which are not included in the definition of the money supply. Overall, it is foreseeable that the pressure on central banks to reduce interest rates will soon increase rapidly. The most important reason, however, is that the economies can no longer afford higher interest rates – and there is no political support for a permanently restrictive monetary policy. This verdict applies not only to the US and the Eurozone, but also worldwide. Consider that in the third quarter of 2023, the global debt burden amounted to 307 trillion US dollars, or 333% of global GDP. This credit pyramid would most likely collapse if interest rates remained elevated 
or if after deducting inflation, capital market yields climb permanently above the zero line again. That is, if real interest rates became positive again. To ensure this doesn't happen, central banks will likely cut rates again soon. If long-term interest rates do not fall as politically desired, central banks will likely resume buying government bonds. A new flood of money is becoming increasingly likely, not only in the West, but also in China and Japan. Even though a new cycle of interest rate cuts will likely prevent an immediate crash of financial market prices, there's no reason to give the all clear. Lowering interest rates will cause new undesirable developments. Overconsumption, bad investments, loss of purchasing power of money and, of course, the uninhibited advance of the state into people's lives, which threatens existing business models and jobs. Having said that, we now can clearly see the drama that central banks have set in motion with their interest rate manipulation. The artificially lowered interest rates are causing economies to fall into the debt trap. And they are becoming increasingly dependent on debt expansion, provided at ever lower interest rates, with the state growing larger and larger at the expense of the private sector. It doesn't take much to realize that in economies where the debt load is spiraling out of control, a monetary policy of elevated or even high inflation will sooner or later be seen as a policy of the comparatively least evil to protect the system from collapse. To say it again, the interest rate drama is entering its next round. It poses a number of challenges for everyone who invests money and seeks to preserve capital. As you consider your own investments, I would like to end with some fairly general remarks. Inflation is only taking a breather. The official inflation figures are only falling temporarily. Sooner or later the devaluation of money will continue, in large steps. So holding cash will most likely result in losses. It only makes sense if you see holding cash as the safest option, if you expect even greater losses on any other asset class. States and their central banks will do everything in their power to prevent goods price deflation and keep the inflation regime going. This will most likely result in states continuing to accumulate large amounts of debt financed with newly created money. The new flood of money will most likely benefit the stock market, supporting higher share prices. In other words, there are reasons to remain invested in the stock market. While investing in long-term government bonds promises capital gains when interest rates fall, investors should not hope to achieve positive real, that is, inflation-adjusted returns from buy-and-hold strategies in the bond market. If you want to keep some of your assets liquid, you should consider gold and silver. These precious metals are close to money and there is a high probability that their prices will continue to rise in the coming years. Additionally, gold and silver are something of an insurance policy in case the international fiat money system collapses prematurely. Finally, if you are an investor from the euro area, you should consider reducing your dependence on the euro. In my view, the euro is one of the weakest, most vulnerable fiat currencies. 
I, for example, prefer US dollars and Swiss francs to the euro. Thank you very much for your attention. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like and share, ring the bell and follow my channel.